major announcement. Oh, yeah? We just got a deal with Spotify. $50. (laughs) To not post a podcast. (laughs) Premium content. You want DPW? Well, it's going to be very limited and you have to pay extra money to get to it. And by extra money, I mean 100% more money than you pay now, which is none because we are free, right? Yes, I think. Mm. Is there a jet engine taking off above you? It is. Why does that thing only turn on when we start recording? I don't know. I, for the love of heaven... Maybe because maybe because of our, our cool, chilly voices uh, just ooh. set it off the heater. Can my nickname be Chili? Chili K? <laughs> you can be Spiffy Spence? <laughs> Sorry, that's, 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 that's not very cool. Yeah. It's the opposite of cool. <laughs> What's a word that's cold that has snowy spent? That don't mm. work. Anyway... I forget. Oh, the snow. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Sick yeah. Of, sick of weather. Tired of heat. Tired of shoveling. Tired of it all. But we're not going to talk about that. I have a question for you, sir. I posed this to my classic literature group and got a lot of responses. Most of them agreeing with me. It has to deal with book introductions. Uh, you find this a lot in classic literature and collections mostly. Mm. But I do notice from time to time I'll get an introduction when I'm reading like a newer book. Usually it's either like a friend of the author if it's a newer book or if it's a classic literature book, some kind of fucking snobby academic. My problem is, um, which I just told you off air, I'm reading The Winter of Our Discontent. And I started reading the introduction because I like getting – usually the introductions, they they give you things to look for in the book that you might otherwise miss. And they also kind of put you in the mind of the author – at least a good introduction puts you in the mind of the author when they wrote yeah. the the piece. So I did, I was learning a lot about Steinbeck at the time. Going back to my question, my question was, do you read the introduction before or after the book? Well, I started reading this introduction about halfway through, gave a major spoiler mm. to the story, and I instantly got pissed off. And then I found out in that group that the Penguin editions tended to, because they're used for study, I guess, a lot. So they just give everything away at the beginning. But a lot of introductions, apparently, because I've experienced this before, they give away spoilers. Yeah. And uh, why is it called an introduction? Put it at the end, then. Because I always, I like to read things in order. I want to read the introduction. But now I can't because I don't want the spoilers for a story I haven't read. Like, if it's something like Of Mice and Men, that's a little different if you are, because most of us either seen the movie yeah. or we just know. But I never, re- I didn't really know anything about the winner of our discontent before checking out other than a couple reviews which I always make sure I read spoiler-free reviews just to get a, kind of a feel of what the writing might be like and if it would be something I would want to read. So what is your opinion on introductions? Do you even read introductions? Or if you do, before or after? Uh, yeah. It, a lot of times, like, especially, like, in those in, in the couple classic things, uh, I just skip it because I'm just, like, because they're normally long, too. Yeah, they're, like, 80 pages. And it's, like, I just want, like, I'm having enough time, hot enough time getting into the story. Just let me read the story. And then I guess if I feel compelled enough to, you know, to go back. You'll read it. And it, and it also kind of depends, too, especially whenever you get into the more um, modern things, too. Because uh, sometimes you get the introduction just from, like, the author themselves. Yeah. And, like, those ones, I don't mind reading before. They usually don't have spoilers. Yeah, no, it's just no more just talking about maybe what they were going through what and during the time they were writing it or maybe what they were thinking or how they got the idea maybe or something about you know, something or give like you some that. themes that you yeah. might have otherwise not really paid attention to. Like something no. that might be a major theme that you kinda are glossing over. 
See, I, I I do like introductions for the fact that uh, like a lot of the Japanese classic literature I read, I don't always know a lot about the specific author beforehand. Like I might know their biography and like you know their work, but I don't know like the specifics of went into why they wrote the way they yeah. did things like that. And usually the snobby academics actually do a good job of that. Some introductions are just god awful. They, they try to be too smart. You'll find this in Alan Moore books sometimes. Yeah, try uh, to be way too fun. Or if Alan Moore just does the introduction, yeah, tries to be too smart and just like, uh, like I was uh that Erica Malibane series by Michael Moorcock. I got the first volume, but the only one I can get was like this Masters collection bullshit that has the no one novel I wanted to read, and then like a bunch of garbage. And it has, I, I, I swear to you, I think it's four introductions. Alan Moore does one. Uh, fucking everybody. I started reading them. And I, I was just so out of it by, like, the second one. I was like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. This isn't adding to... The, it was one of those things that fluff up the book just yeah. to get a reprinting. Well, it was when they fluff it up, too, because because you get the introduction, and then you get the foreword. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and the it, prequel. <laughs> a prologue. Uh, yeah, a prologue. An epilogue to the prologue <laughs> that goes into another prologue. <laughs> and when Bram Stoker wrote Dracula... This is how drunk he was. Mm. I'm like what? And then it just goes into another story because they do that a lot too. Is these uh, if if it's a writer doing the introduction, sometimes they like to tell a yeah. story. And it's like oh, okay, come on. So I think from now on, I'm going to read the introductions to stories I haven't read into. I'm going to do that afterwards. Yeah. Uh, or not at all. I like the not at all option. Sometimes I do that too, like fucking Frankenstein and dumb shit like that. I don't give a fuck. And it's, it also depends on who's doing the introduction because like. A, a lot of times, um, they, uh, they, I don't think they do it so much m- anymore, but there for a long time, especially like in like the image and the vertigo, uh, trades of stuff, they would have introductions, you know, mm-hmm. from like a certain other writer or maybe artist or whatever. I find comic book introductions are more entertaining yeah. and they're not spoiler heavy. No, they're not spoiler heavy. It's more just kind of talking yeah. about the series or the creators mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, even like a lot of those, I'm just like, all right, who wrote it? I don't really know that guy or I don't give a shit. Okay, if it's somebody else, I might read it. Like a Neil Gaiman or somebody. And then, and but that also depends on because like those can be a couple pages long too, and it's just like again, I just I kind of want to get to the story. Well, there's plenty of times uh, for a book club where we had some book that I might not have been interested in to begin with, and uh, I just completely skipped the intro intro because some of those they're just really long. Yeah, and uh, like I said, even the one, well, you know what. The one good thing about those comic intros, though, is because I'm not as uh, familiar with some of the comic book writers as you. Yeah. So it actually does help me, you know, learn some of these, like, smaller or lesser known authors. But some of those introductions are just, like, they're so pretentious and just, even just boring. Yeah. Like, someone's like, you're talking, like, nothing about the comic. They're just talking about some fucking nonsense. And I'm like, I don't care. So I think just writing introductions itself is a skill that not every writer or academic has. And I don't know why. Some of these people get assigned to do it. Um, and journalists, they're, ooh, I don't like when I get a journalist introduction because I feel they really want to, like, they're reporting or something. Like, no. they have to dig deep into the author's motives, and it's just like, okay, I get it. Hemingway was a drunk, and he wrote this one. Like, I don't I don't care. Just fucking get to the story. So, uh, if any of you folks listening at home or on the road or wherever you are, if you have any opinions on this matter let us know because i am interested to hear what people think about introductions because small topic but 
I had a lot of hits on that that post. Like a shitload yeah. of people had opinions on it. Some loved them. Some said they read it every single time. They don't care if it spoiler spoils the story because they don't mind. Which I, that that weirds me out. Yeah. Like there's one guy specifically. He's like, yeah, I don't mind a spoiler. I was like, what do you mean you don't mind? <laughs> what did they tell the whole ending? Which a lot of these do. Like, oh, I don't care. I just go in the story. I like to know the story beforehand. It's like, well, that's just that doesn't seem. Like, that's like knowing the ending of a movie, like The Sixth Sense. You know yeah. the ending of The Sixth Sense before you watch it? That takes some of the excitement away, in my opinion. But well, I think that when you get those people like, I just like the art form. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh nobody likes that guy. It's always a guy. It's always a guy. He's got, like, the fedora, and he's balding, and he just smells bad. There's a scarf somewhere. He has a big scarf and a trench coat, even in the summer. And he, I just like the art form. Ugh. Yeah, I like that guy. By the way, we have one of those guys coming on the podcast next week. Yeah. His name is... What's up? You're listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Spokane Spaghetti Spinster Church. Oh, is that the word spinster? Is it... yeah, that that makes it dre- like yeah. dressing. And... Close enough. Yeah. Close enough. Uh, so that's what you are. You're... So I make spaghetti dresses? Yeah. Skirts? Squirts. Skirt. Do they still have squirts? Is that what they were called? Spaghetti, gra- spaghetti strap shirts. Why was that such a big deal? Because now girls go to school nude. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, that was a big keyword spaghetti strap. Today, we're taking a turn for the worst. You asked me if we did this, and I feel like we might have touched upon it or did a whole episode on it. I don't remember at all. So we'll be covering it again, possibly. Uh, either way, we definitely covered some of these topics, but we're going to go deep. Deep dive. You ready to deep dive? Deep dive. I got my, I got my snorkel. You're going to go clam digging? <laughs> we're talking about... Bad writing tips, terrible writing tips, the worst writing advice. What brought this on, you ask? Oh, sure, Spencer. I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. This, what brought this on, Caleb? <laughs> I was on the old, um, should have sent them to you, but I feel like you might have got, I don't know if you would have got angry. I don't think you get as angry as I do about these things. <laughs> I sent them to Ash because he seems to get angry about them like I do. Uh, uh, there was a thread on Twitter. Let me see. I took. You this... guys, that's what you guys keep on being on Twitter for. Like. Ash isn't on Twitter anymore. He stopped Twitter a long time ago. Getting angry at things. Yeah. Okay. So somebody asked, uh, I just saw a post from someone who is allegedly an independent publisher who says that third person is out of style and should never be used by any author. What is that exactly? How can third person be out of style? I am legitimately confused and don't believe it for a second. That's not what made me angry. Obviously, that publisher is fucking stupid, and I would never want to get published by them, probably. Um, but, and I won't name names here, someone in the comments, the first comment, ooh, ooh, and this had a lot of comments it on it. It wasn't first? It just wasn't first? This is the first one that popped up for me. Actually, no, it it's a lady. She, ladies don't say actually. Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna call Goose I loathe third Ooh. person narrative. Loathe Spencer. Loathe. Loathe. She loathes third person. So that's already enough to get your blood a little yeah. boiling. I loathe third person narrative. I only read and. 
capitalized and write in first person. She only reads and writes in first person. So it's bad enough that she only writes in first person, but she has to read. Like if it's a third person book, she just does not read it. Um, a book cannot fully envelop a reader until the reader feels and hears the character's thoughts. And then she tagged her shitty books. I'm going to assume they're shitty. She might be a good author. Doubt it. If she can only write in first person. She, even if she's a good author, she sounds like a shitty person. So Yeah, she was very uh, boisterous about this. Um, before I read the rest of these, because they're just random parts of this thread I want to comment on. First person is generally known as the easiest yeah, I was form gonna say, yeah, that's to write a easy, narrative. Yeah. So, you only writing first person kind of tells me that maybe you're just not a great writer if you can't write in a different narrative. Because as we brought up before, the um, the first per you get a lot of the first person in the classics. Yeah. Just because that seemed to be like the writing style, but you know, back like then, like H.P. Lovecraft, I think yeah. only wrote in first person, yeah. at least for the most part. To where, like you know, nowadays you really get people mm. playing with that, yeah, and ma- doing and doing a different set of mix and matches with it, you know. Now, if she was just saying that that's her preference, that would be fine. Yeah, but it's the follow up that really pissed me off because you could even if you. You might not even be a bad writer if you can only write in first person. Maybe that's just what you like to write. Yeah. Maybe for the reason she says that, you know, about emotion or something. Okay. But it and gets maybe, worse. And, like, maybe, you know, you tend to write more, like, action-heavy thriller kind of things mm-hmm. to where that would that would, that would that would work better. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to emphasize the words that she emphasizes. So, that, so this that is a completely ca- different comment. Yeah, so when I emphasize a word, that's because she's capitalizing the word solidly. Well, before I wanted, I wanna, I wanna say something. Though, before we get into some other com- comments, and I forget what I really hate is the when it comes to anything, when it comes to any discussion of anything, whenever somebody picks a topic and it's absolute. I actually made a tweet about that. I think today. I don't remember if that was. I think it was actually before I saw this because this was just on my feed. But I was saying, um, you know, like, well, like, kind of completely different. Different kind of subject, but like whenever you sent me that message about that guy saying like with with the anime, yeah, the gatekeeping, and, and was just like you know the the big popular things like mm. you know uh, if you're only a fan of these things you're not a true you know you're not a true fan fan of it like like that doesn't like no like that like you don't have a say yeah. of what anybody else's you know thing is how they enjoy a medium or whatever exactly or yeah. how they write the medium or, or, yeah. or any or any of that. Well, my tweet from earlier uh, was. At Caleb James 1986 on Twitter, by the way. Uh, don't tell other people how to write. You can tell them what works for you and give advice on what makes a good story, but don't speak in absolutes. We're all different. One way of doing things doesn't work for everyone. A uh, very simple, and I'm surprised I didn't get any hate for that because uh, I have been off Twitter for the most part for so long now that all the people that used to reply to all my shit yeah. really don't or they're not on there or whatever. They just left you behind. Yeah, they, they don't give a fuck about me anymore, so only the real homies like and, you know, comment. Uh, which is barely any. But anyway, going back to this lady. I mean, how I'm many comments gonna... does she have? Was it just one big one? No, there's a few comments. Um, I'm going to read some of the things that lead up to it. So this guy said, I think that you are correct in your comparison to first and third person omnipotent, omniscient, whatever. I think you misspelled that. However, third person close, uh, you know, that doesn't matter. He's just talking about emotional connection or something. She, she says, I can't see how watching... I don't know why she capitalized. Mm. Watching a person can ever be as close to as being the person. 
So she's trying to say that first person works best because you're the person, so you can have more emotion. And somebody, I don't, I don't think I screenshot somebody fucking, because she writes her example of why hers is better than third person. Yeah. And somebody just completely fucking dismantles her, and she just says cool, and then ends the conversation. Which, let's see. This person said, interesting and a respectable opinion, but I disagree. I think first person limits the scope of the world building aspects of stories. First person is great for emotional connection, bad for world building. And this girl said, a lot of writers say that, but the first person writers beat ass in reviews, sales, and ratings. And she went, I didn't screenshot, she went on uh, her beaten ass. She went on a little bit of, I think, of a tirade about sales and how if you look at the top 30 books of whatever are all first person. First person is the top sales, top reviews. Everybody loves first person. Third person's know. garbage. I mean, uh, Stephen King writes a lot of third person, and uh, I don't know. He's like one of the highest selling authors of all time. Yeah. Now, here's her. And, and then and that's again, like, if you're doing uh, first person, you your story revolves around one person yeah unless if you are we well, could do multiple people well, but, you, but that's a lot of jumping back and forth and that can get confusing and annoying i'm like. sure this person's not doing that here's her example and just tell me how biased this comes across here's her example of first person versus third person and why the emotions are different and stuff as i grasped her small wrinkled throat with my own perfectly manicured warm large hands i felt her pulse slow from wing-like fluttering to a gentle throb matched only by the feelings in my crotch. Or, and here's her example of third person, he grasped her throat with his large hands. So she completely That's left the, out... Yeah. What, her sentence was garbage anyway. But she left out... I'm just, I don't like this lady now. <laughs> I don't know where I'm... I don't like her. She left out all the descriptors... Yeah. Except for large hands... Um, so she, like, that's because such a biased she, way of doing it. you can it. tell the exact same thing, because all you have to do is just be like, as he grabbed her hand, he could feel her per- pulse. Mm-hmm. It, it has the same meaning, it's just what you're comfortable writing in. Well, this person replied, no, you can write all those exact words in third person. I don't know why you think it could only be first. <laughs> Solid point. And then this lady says, why are you still trying to argue? My third book is out in five weeks, and first person narrative kicks third person childish bile easy. I don't think she knows what bile means. Or, or childish, because <laughs> how does it kick third person childish bile? Is she saying that you're... Children of bile? I'm thinking she's saying that third person is, is, children, is childish throw up, I guess. Uh, childish stomach acid? I don't know. Let's see, somebody... Ah, see, I didn't put it on here. But somebody ended up writing her actual stupid sentence and filled it out and did it in fir- or third person. It was like, see, it works just the same. And she just... That's when she was just like, eh, cool. And then just then... But that... That's what sparked my whole thing here. I didn't mean to go on a little tirade on that lady. Like I said, I don't know that lady. She might have just been doing that to drum up interest because she kept linking her book. Yeah. Maybe she's one of those people that thinks bad press is good press, you know. Uh, or all press is good press. Whatever. Yeah. So... She might have just been trying to get attention. Either way, that's clearly a dog shit take. Mm-hmm. Is that one writing style is superior to another writing style? I mean, I not like both. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just dogging on it just because like she has such a hard stance on the one thing. Well, like I said, initially, if it works for you, that's fine. But telling others that's the only way, or that's the main way, or the best way, uh, no, that is not. There are some great authors out there who can't write in first person to save their life, yeah. but their third person books fucking win Nobel prizes and shit. Like I just don't understand the uh, 
what I don't know the point she was trying to make. Like, why does first person kick ass? Beats ass. Doesn't even kick ass. Because she ass. writes it that yeah. way. And by the way, those fucking tweets are gr- we're full of grammatical errors. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to point that out, but I mean, some of them I, I flubbed because I was reading the grammatical errors, but <laughs> or trying not to read the grammatical errors. But, um, you're a writer. And I think that lady had like three, 4,000 followers, so that kind of makes me angry. Uh, they're probably mostly bots. Yeah, I think most fucking people aren't bots anymore, but they just don't give a shit. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Writing tips. So I just found this random article that I'm not going to fucking mention because we're just going to talk about the actual topics, not so much the article. This is terrible writing advice. Number one, write perfect sentences. That's kind of self-explanatory. You're never going to write a perfect sentence. Yeah. Can you think of a perfect sentence? Is, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what a perfect sentence is if I saw it. To be honest with you, like if you're an author, you can write what would be close to whatever could be considered a perfect sentence. But as the author, you're always gonna kind of. You're never done. You know, the artist is never finished. They just put down the brush. You will always go back and they find things that you could have did better. Or like, oh, if I just switched those words around, the sentence would have been a little crisper. And uh, like, if you go to an editor or something, if you go through a, like a traditional publishing publishing process at some point they're like hey you're done yeah <laughs> you, you can't fucking change it anymore you're just gonna make it worse yeah i think Simon rusty said at some point you're just moving words around yeah like you're not you're, you get to the end you're not actually adding anything to the story or progressing the story anymore you're just moving things around uh once you get to that point you're pretty much finished if there's something that you feel is desperately in need of uh changing which again if it's, you're at the final stages it's probably good enough um but maybe you can think it, you'll get it but then you always will think it'll be better yeah so. I don't think that's uh, ever ever possible. Listen to the grammar police. Again, uh, who's, I mean, I will say that if you have an editor or somebody who just points out something obvious that you keep fucking up, like say instead of saying could have, you say could of, which is grammatically incorrect. Somebody pointing that out will just be like, oh, okay, no, I don't, I won't do that anymore. Like there's a lot of things like that, just little things that we all do that you don't realize unless somebody points it out because maybe, uh, which I got this uh, Elements of Style by... Uh, you keep on telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, William Strunk. And this is the E.B. White edition. He breaks down a lot of that stuff. And like I said, I was re- I haven't read through that whole thing. It's very small. It's a short, small book. But uh, just a lot of great tips. That's like over 100 years old now, that book. But a lot of those tips are still solid. Some of them are a little outdated. But um, I would recommend everybody just get that because that will help you realize some of the small things. Again, grammar stuff. Stuff that... Most writers don't even actually care about. Yeah. Most readers probably don't even care about, to be honest. But the editors, they notice these things. And, you know, if you want to have the top. more, It's, just, it's more professional. Yeah, if you want to have the best product you can have, uh, just fix those little things. And again, like, you know, could have, could have. Not a major difference. It's just could have wrong. Yeah. Why? Because we say it is. Yeah. Because it's could have. Unless, unless if it's... Um... You know, it's a it's a character talking. Yeah, and, and they um, you dialogue. Know, you can always have all that. Yeah, stuff. you can. You're you're allowed to mess up in all the in dialogue as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you don't have people to... don't talk so well. Don't. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the uh, the grammar police. Uh, it's, I mean, especially if it's just like on the internet, and it depends what they're policing too. If it's your actual book, that's one thing. If it's just like tweets and Facebook posts or even text messages. Fuck off, guy. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing here? So you could be a little choosy with the grammar police. But again, if, if it's something that's going to benefit you, usually if somebody points out something to me that I fuck up, I just immediately make sure I don't do that anymore. And again, like, um, if you are going to go full bone on the grammar, wait until you're done 
with like at least the first draft. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? You don't want to be like as you're finishing the finishing a chapter be like, "Oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. I have to go back and fix the way." Like, no. Just 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 leave it for now. That that red swiggly is going to be there to remind you just, you know, if you, if you edit as you go, a 3 month first draft might take you 6. Yeah. Like it just will take forever. Uh some people are better than others at that. I still edit as I go to a degree, usually the next day when I go back about four paragraphs maybe. Like I like to, or if it's the start of a scene, I'll go back to the start of the scene and just kind of you read through it, which is a great habit to have. I personally, I'll fix small things, not because I'm trying to, you know, catch up on editing or make sure I have less to do later. I just do that because it actually gets me back into the story. Yeah. Uh, not everybody does that. Not everybody has to do that. I just find that's what works best for me. Number three, longer sentences demonstrate intelligence. I don't have to tell you why that's wrong. Uh, Hemingway <laughs> didn't have a lot of long sentences, and obviously he won the Nobel Prize in literature. So you fucking boy toy Fitzgerald never won that. <laughs> <laughs> my boy yeah. Joy, your boy Joy Fitzgerald. He didn't. He didn't know a short sentence. To, you know, he couldn't write a short sentence to save his life. I said, "What do you gotta do to win the Nobel Peace Prize in literature? Like, how's not the Peace Prize? Was, the prize of just the literature. But whatever. Like, you gotta write real good. <laughs> you gotta write good. Um, and, and you know what? For the most part, it probably helps to be a white guy in the old days. Now it doesn't matter. There's a lot of Japanese writers that won. Actually, the Nobel Prize in Literature is about writing quality, and I think what's more important to them is the impact it has. Yeah. For instance, uh, Steinbeck won for Winter of Our Discontent, but it was usually it's the all of their work is factored in. So he was one of the great American writers because he spoke about the working man of America, Grapes of Wrath, uh, East of Eden, things yeah. like that. So those all are influenced. Like, those all influence the Academy or fucking group, whatever the Nobel Prize Committee is. It, they're judging of who wins it. And then if you, you know, obviously, like, uh, Hemingway, it would be his collection of work, but he actually, like, technically won for The Old Man in the Sea. Uh, Faulkner, I think it was the same thing. He won for, might have been Sound and the Fury or one of those things. But it's very rare, I think, somebody wins the Nobel Prize for only, they only have, like, one book or something. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's every once in a while there is, uh, contention controversy uh as ash british ash would say controversy <laughs> i'm just assuming, i don't know if you would say that i just i just want to say that um but <laughs> what do they how they say aluminum aluminium something like that <laughs> yeah weird speak right i can't say shit the other day i got in this weird wormhole where i was trying to find the real way to pronounce worcestershire it's not worcestershire like the sauce yeah it's uh worcestershire worcestershire Okay. Like the shire, they pronounce Shire as Shire unless it's connected to a, a bigger word, then it's Sha. So, anyway, that's close. There have been some selections over the years where, and a lot of times it's somebody who uh, turns out to be a real shitheel. Yeah. So, you know, in hindsight, like, I think fucking Hitler, didn't he win the Nobel Prize, Peace Prize or something before he was a shitheel? <laughs> or, like, an obvious shitheel? Yeah. Well, th he might not win. He was nominated, I think. He was like, at least he, I know he was nominated or something for time, man of the year. Whatever. These things... Hindsight, you know what they say. It's not always. Uh... So, too bad, like I, it seemed like they you could never like if you were like a popular writer, to, you know, like what I mean, like if you were a popular writer who had a big, you know, uh, effect on people, it'd be like, no, no, we're not gonna consider you just because the stuff that you write, we don't you mean think. like a Stephen King, the closest to a genre writer that. 
Now, I think it's uh, 50 years after, not after you die, just after you were nominated, it comes out, like the nominations. Yeah. Uh, so usually people are dead. Or yeah. Really well, old. Or at least most of the people being nominated are yeah, dead. Yeah, so people always speculate who they think is gonna, uh, who was like, like the second place. Like, yeah. you find out you were second place, oh. it'd take 50 years. So there's a lot of, but Haruki Murakami is one that you think is always in the running, and he's closest to a genre writer than any, I can't think of anybody who's, uh ever in that discussion that would be maybe like a Kurt Vonnegut or something but I don't know if he I don't think he was ever actually nominated for anything but uh they they would be the closest to uh I don't know what I'm saying anymore words so just yeah, to win yeah so, be... but usually popular writers I mean like a Hemingway and stuff they obviously get it but it's usually when they're older for the most part they, I don't even know if there's ever a real young guy who won it uh, outside of modern times anything after like 2000 I think it's just they changed the rules now it used to be just real stuffy uh committee but now it's different Number, oh yeah, number three. So anyway, long sentences. Obviously, that doesn't mean you're intelligent just because you write long sentences. Sometimes that makes you, what was it? Um, Faulkner was making fun of Hemingway because Hemingway doesn't use uh, big words. Yeah. And Hemingway, he, I'm going to paraphrase, his quote was something along as like, oh, poor Faulkner. He thinks big words create big emotions. Because <laughs> Faulkner is notorious for being really hard yeah. to read. And also having a name that kind of sounds like Fuckner. <laughs> I just, but just the way, like, I know you said you you paraphrased it a little bit, but, like, it, I'd imagine it had to be something close to that to just saying, like, using such little words yeah. to prove your point. Exactly. No, I'm pretty sure that's actually spot on. I think, because I, I think that's the quote. Obviously, we talked about this before, but. Use various lengths of sentences. Yeah. Don't just have long ones. Don't just have short ones. Uh, Same with paragraph yeah. length, you know. And this, uh, the elements of style, one of the early points he makes is about uh, you don't want to write in a uniform style. You don't want to have fucking... Because it, it's boring. Yeah. it's He gives examples of it's boring if you just have the same type of sentences over and over and over. Space it out. Have long ones, short ones, all kinds of things. Uh, number four, write for yourself. Why do you think this one would be bad writing advice? It's bad because if you only write for yourself, uh, you might be alienating your audience that yeah. you want to read. You do want to re write with the audience in mind, your readers and, in mind. And that you might not grow and learn the things that you need to do to become a better writer if you're just taking an account of writing for yourself. Yeah. You might not come across those things that you have a problem area in. Exactly. Um. And also, which uh, Haruki Mirakami, because we were talking about him, he's actually been getting flack for recently because he writes the same fucking book over and over at this point. Obviously, the book's different, but because his style is so distinct, it's like the protagonist is always like a single man who loves jazz, uh, cats, and is kind of like just like a monotone. Like just He's just there, you know, mm. like an everyman. He always writes that character. He always writes scenes that kind of would read the same. Again, the actual story and everything's different, but the, the type of style is... Uh, that's why I will have to give major props to Stephen King, because he does not write the same exact style every fucking book. No. He, he, different genres, different styles. But it normally always happens to a writer, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, uh, he but, does have that. But, I mean, that's just one of those... I think those might just be, like, a writing tick, like... Yeah. And, really, if you think about it, 
a lot of the crazy shit that that he has happened to people. Yeah. It's easy like to have happen to a writer because like a writer can have a lot of free time. Well, that's why Haruki Murakami's Everyman, they're always unemployed or between jobs or like something like that because uh, it frees them up to go on this yeah. weird thing that they're about to embark on. It's a very easy cop out. Well, so but you so you've read a lot of his stuff. Do you find that a problem as you're reading it? Like, are you just like ah again with this every man and his goddamn cats? I actually like it again. You know, just classic Mirakami style. But at the same time, he's not an author I could read back to back. I always space his books out. I'll read one of his books maybe every three, maybe every six months. Yeah, even Stephen King's like that to me to a kind of a degree. I can't read his books back to back. Like, I just get like. I, honestly, I don't think there's really any authors I could read back to back like too much because you know unless they're style like maybe like a Neil Gaiman because his styles yeah he and he does like he can be yeah. a fantasy or he can be a more like even like a sci-fi kind of if he has to be yeah or... so you know you can just play around with that kind of stuff but again there's nothing wrong with necess- like necessarily pigeonhole like if you pigeonhole yourself to one style that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because then people, like, that's your author voice. Then people, oh, the, like, H.P. Lovecraft's a good example. You read H.P. Lovecraft, all you his know stories are the yeah. same style, it's the same kind of writing, but you know what you're getting into. And it's not a bad thing, it's just, that's him. You, you just have to, uh, you know, it's just, if, if, you, if you're going to go into that kind of thing, you have to be aware that you might have to come up with some extra tricks or... Different kind of storytelling or a plot twist or something just to keep it more lively yeah. and, you know, and readers on their toes. Mm-hmm. And before I go to this next one, I just want to say about Mirakami, Japanese. So the translations might make things yeah. more uniform because usually they use the same translator or same few translators, which means that guy might, it might be that guy's actual writing Who's style. Who's making everything seem similar. Yeah, like his writing style might, uh, and again, it just could be the Japanese language. A lot of it can't be translated properly, so you just kind of use the same elements. Obviously, the themes and the, the characters are the you know same across the board, but you have to give a little leeway with any kind of foreign language thing that gets translated. Even English to like Japanese would be probably yeah. Like I would imagine if you had Stephen King, the Japanese versions of his books, they might actually come across more similar. Well, that's like a lot of times when you hear like um, if you're watching something um. Like Japanese people reviewing a thing, or just even talking, like, um, and they're talking about like something here in America, and it's you know Japanese, 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 something in English that they don't have a word for, yeah. and you know they, but they say that word in English because that's the only way they yeah. know, they know that word. Japan has a shitload of loan words that are just, they may pronounce it a little different, but they're just English words, or Russian, or whatever language, they, but they have a lot of loan words in their language, so uh, if you, because I think I saw a video about they were asking young and old people like certain words, like, hey, what's the word for piano? Because, like, I don't know if that's one of their loan words. Like, uh, yeah. I think camera's a loan word. It's usually everything after, like, World War II, or maybe after the Meiji period when Japan opened up to the West. Yeah. They have a lot of words, like camera, that you know, it's just an English word or whatever language it originated from. So they don't have a Japanese word for it. But there are some words they did have Japanese words for, and they just use the loan word now. And they would ask people, like the older people, some of them knew the actual original word. And some of the young people, they well, most of the young people didn't know. They're like, oh, shit, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, I, and by young, I mean like up to 50. Yeah. <laughs> also, j- like just using Japan as a 
because I'm English, every language, not just every like version or every language, but every country, I would say, has their, you know, not just slang, but just yeah. phrases of speech and stuff. So Japan's notorious for being indecisive because they don't like to offend people. So one thing you'll find, and because when you start reading Mirakami, you'll notice this, but you're actually going to notice in any Japanese literature you read, at least I have, even going back to classical Japanese literature, people are always saying, I wonder. Like if they, like somebody asks them a question or if they even just, they're very direct with something and they make a statement, the, it's usually the protagonist like, I wonder. Like they never can speak directly, uh, which is actually a big problem in Japan. That's why a lot of businesses actually want their Japanese uh, CEOs and stuff to speak English in meetings because English is more direct. Just a little fun fact. Mm. Uh, we're only on five. It's like 21. <laughs> so take a while. Uh, number five, ignore critical feedback. That's just stupid. Yeah. Like you can ignore stuff that you think is really out there or not going to work, especially if it's from, uh, like, say, beta readers or more specifically somebody that you don't even really trust their opinion. Uh, angry Twitter follower. Yeah. That's why it's – or reviewers. Uh, that's why it's more important to get, uh, like, your beta – like, a select beta reader or even alpha reader – who you trust their opinion, yeah. you know they're not going to lie to you, and then that way if they give you critical feedback, you'd be more likely to take it. Uh, if you get a re good re a relationship with an editor, it'd be hard in this day and age, especially if you're working with a publisher because you know people rotate in and out of positions now so much, but it would be great to get a good editor that you stick with because then you can trust their opinion and yeah. know they're not trying to add too much of themselves into your story. Because in the editing process, it goes, I think we talked about this with... Uh, uh, Benjamin Cross, it goes from a creative endeavor to a commercial endeavor. Yeah. So now we're trying to make your creative book more appealing to audiences by what the author might think is fucking their book up. Like, yeah. you know, kind of taking liberties with their creative input. Um, but you, you do have to take certain critical feedback. Yeah, and, and just the other side of the coin to that is that, you know, as if you, when you, uh, you know, beta readers, if one or two might say something that they don't like about it, it'd be like, well, maybe that's just preference. But if you're starting to get maybe like five or six people all saying like, hey, I liked it, but this part was weird or this part didn't make sense, then that, you know, that's when yeah. you have to take more of a like, maybe something is, maybe I do have to fix this thing. Well, in Salman Rushdie's master class, he had a part where he was talking about that exact thing, where if you see the same problem, come from multiple sources like they report the same issue with your book uh and it might not do like I'm, we use grammar and stuff a lot but like just the actual plot itself yeah or maybe uh like his example was a character he had in the story they said was redundant it was just like another character they didn't he didn't need that character he really liked the character he was very stubborn he was young he didn't want to keep it but then he heard the same critique from multiple people and then he realized well here's what i'll do I'm going to... Like, merge characters? Well, no, I'm going to take this character out, and if the book works the same, then I'll keep him out. But if it doesn't, then obviously he needs to be in. And he said it took him 24 hours, and he got the character out of the whole book. So, mm. obviously, the character wasn't needed. It was redundant. Uh, so, you just... It comes down to trust, and um, you don't want to be naive. You don't want to listen to somebody's, you know, 100%, because other people could be wrong. But if you get enough opinions on something, and they all give you the same feedback... Then that's when you probably should take uh, make a change. Uh, number six, right at the weekend. I'm actually have to read this one. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, believe that they can produce the first. Blah, 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 blah. This is pretty much just about writing it in the weekend, I, right? Whenever you can, yeah, and when you want. Not specifically when you want because, because then you, you never, might you yeah. never get anything written, but. <laughs> 
but make certain times. And honestly, if you can't write every day, I don't know. I never understood that whole write at the weekend. Like I'm a Saturday and Sunday writer. I get, I'm not work. Like I understand you're free and stuff. And we talk about this in the past with like Dirk Manning for ex- he's a good example because he's uh I think what we called like a bulk writer or something yeah. where he will write for like ten to fifteen hours on a Saturday, but maybe not the rest of the week. Like he writes all the stuff at one time. That's his process. Yeah. That's fine if that's your process. Uh, you do have to find out what works for you, but you don't need to. Uh, you don't need to just limit yourself but, to the weekend just because you're free. But but also with that, that he has been. You know, he's been writing, you know, comic books for a very, you know, I think he's closing in on, like, at least 10 years by now, I think, somewhere around there. I believe so, yeah. So, like, it probably took him, I'm sure when he first started writing, he just wasn't writing a couple days, like, you know what I mean? He was probably writing more often, and then once you kind of, you know, get more comfortable with yourself as a writer... You can get your personal life more in order and, you know, and then stuff like that. Uh, it might, you know, can vary and change on how you do your thing. That's one thing most, like, famous authors say. Uh, it's usually when they were young, they were sporadic. They didn't get a lot done. And then eventually they you pretty much you hit your groove. You find out where you have to just you have to experiment, find out what works best for you. In our, in our last episode with our guest, he was telling us that, uh, Whenever, because it took him a while to write his first novel. You Ten know. years. Yeah, so with just with the way like his work and stuff was, he just didn't have a lot of time in those in those first couple of years. And then, you know, what he was doing for work changed, and yeah. they gave him it a, a different schedule opportunity to you know really hunker down and get some you know get some writing done. Right. Number seven, deadlines don't matter. That's just fucking stupid. Yeah. Obviously, the deadline matters if you have a fucking book deal and you have yeah, to be done. Yeah, especially if you're getting paid by another person, yeah. deadlines definitely matter. You don't have to go into that one. That's fucking stupid. I don't know who thinks <laughs> deadlines don't matter. What are you, Hunter S. Thompson? <laughs> Unless you're super famous, deadlines do matter. Number eight, right across genres if you're starting out. Uh, I think it's good to experiment with genres, especially ones you might not be comfortable with. But again, it comes down to your preference, really. Yeah. You don't have to write every genre. Just like, for instance, if you want to be a horror writer, what's it really going to serve you to experiment with romance if you have no interest in writing romance? Like, we don't write romance because we're not interested in yeah. romance. I understand from maybe a creative writing standpoint, uh, just like you know, to te- not, test yourself, test your skills, and just see if you can. But as an actual like spending time doing that, I don't think that's necessary. No, not at all. Uh, number nine, write lots of books and articles simultaneously. You can only do that if that works for you. Yeah. For some writers, writing a book and then short stories and articles and things like that while writing the book actually helps them because it takes their mind off of, you know, the old classic writer's block. Maybe you get stuck in a section. You could go do something else. And then, uh, or maybe you just get overlogged and tired of what you're writing. You want to switch it up. I do that sometimes, but... As far as uh, having to do that, like that, that's kind of dumb. Obviously, you don't have to do that. If you, some people, they can only write one thing at a time. Yeah, do what works for you. It's very simple. Number ten, write and edit at once. We already covered this about the edit yeah. as you go. Uh, I'm going to repeat myself a lot here. Do what's comfortable for you. Obviously, writing and editing as you go will take longer, and it's not necessary. But if that's what works for you, for the examples I gave earlier about getting back, help you getting back on the story, you can do that. Or if that's just what you like to do. Uh, 11. Forget about style. 
That's obviously just a bunch of malarkey. Why would you forget about style? That just sounds lazy. Well, that sounds lazy, and that sounds like you're going to have a hodgepodge of different styles in your story. Like, you're just going to fuck up. I was always under the impression that you should not necessarily pick a style and stick to it, but it's probably for the best. Um, At least for the book. Well, for the one story you're writing. If you're switching styles throughout the story, unless it's specifically done and, you know, you really are working on how to do it properly, it's going to... It's probably going to turn the readers off and then be shitty. What was that? Was that number 11? Okay. I think we were on 17. 12. <laughs> 17. <laughs> number 12. Story doesn't matter. Okay, I'm going to go into that one. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> why would the story not matter? Then why are you writing it? I feel like whoever wrote this article might have just uh, <laughs> just started like, I'm out of ideas now. Yeah. <laughs> just gonna... What's the dumbest thing I could think of? <laughs> 13. Outline suck. No, they don't if they work for you. They suck if you're a discovery writer who can't write an outline to save their life. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't like to be constricted to the outline they made. And and, and again, that's like how the degree of an outline are you are you going to do? Are you doing a simple just like this character does this and like first, second, third arc kind of thing? Or are you like... In chapter one, so-and-so's going to meet yeah. so-and-so. In chapter two, they're going to get on a boat. On chapter three, a plane. <laughs> like I always say, it's good to know where you're going. And then sometimes it's really fun to not know the actual way to that destination. You just, you know, you're on an adventure yourself. And as we said many times before, when any kind, anything when it comes to outlining... Just because you wrote that in that outline doesn't mean you have to go there once you start actually writing. You don't have to stick to the outline. You can write yourself into corners if you don't have an outline. Uh, Stephen King does yeah. that a lot. But if you're a good enough writer, that's not really a problem. And also, you can just change things. Yeah, It's just a matter of laziness, really. Yeah, we don't write in typewriters now. People yeah. like... I'm not using a feather and quill. <laughs> 14, write what you know. I think uh, I think it might have been Salman Rushdie that covered this one as well. If you only write what you know, you'll never be able to be necessarily that creative because there's a lot of things you don't know, and that's the fun of being a writer is examining what you don't know. I think the the writing what you know is a good starting point. Yeah. To when you're beginning out and you're trying to learn the ropes and get a feel on how to do things and how to craft a good story. I think that the the right what you know or what you like, yeah. I think that's when that's best for. But like after once you have a chance to grow a little bit and expand, expand, and you know explore your the different things you can do. Well, you can also combine them. Going back to Mirakami, an every man who loves jazz and cats <laughs> that applies to the, you know most of his books. He. <laughs> That's pretty much a reflection of Mirakami. That's what say, he knows. Does he like jazz and cats? Yeah, he had a jazz bar. He loves cats. I think his bar was called like Peter Cat, actually. Oh. The rest of the story, other than that character, usually it's fucking craziness. Yeah. So he's exploring labyrinths and all kinds of shit that he doesn't know. Um, so you can have a little bit of what you know in a story or what, you know, part of your life. It adds realism to the story. Uh, you know, it adds a little bit of yourself to the story. But you don't have to specifically only write what you know. You don't have to be Faulkner who only writes about the fucking South or Steinbeck who mainly writes about California. You can write other things. Again, though, that works very well for him. So do what you want. Who gives a fuck? 16. Learn to type so you can write faster. You can write however you want. Again, what you're comfortable with. 17. Stop when you learn the basics. Clearly stupid. 
if you stop when you after you've just learned the basics, then you'll just always be a basic writer. Basic bitch writer. Basic bitch. Starbucks drinking mm-hmm. pumpkin spice latte <laughs> having ass bitch. <laughs> Pancake having ass bitch. Stupid fucking Karen name going to Target bitching because they don't have the right color tan towel bitch. 18, right without a plan. Well, this is the opposite of the outline. Whiskey's <coughs> killing me. That's a you drink more. Nah, it's like made my fucking throat dry. Right without a plan. That could be asking for disaster. If you can stick with writing without a plan, n- no. We all have a plan. Yeah, because even even pantsers, <laughs> they have a loose plan in their head. Like, even the fucking Joker has a plan. Yeah. I don't care what he says. His tricks were very elaborate. Yeah. His traps, his fucking things were very well planned out. He had a plan. <laughs> Everyone has a plan. You but, just don't get Joker fish without a plan. Yeah, you have to have a plan. So, again, it could just be as simple as knowing the ending of the story or the characters or whatever and work your way around that. 19. It's impossible to make a living from writing. Obviously, it is possible. But who says that? 20. Marketing and writing don't mix. We discussed that in the last episode a bit, too. Writers aren't typically great marketers. We're just creative like, people in yeah, general. But you can learn. It's a skill. You can learn it. There's no reason you can't learn to market. Uh, and, and especially, so, especially nowadays, it's, it's, really, both, it's both easier... And harder yeah. to market yourself, but and it's very important at this point because, as we talked about in the last episode of Benjamin Cross, most uh, publishers do not do any marketing for you anymore. You have to do it yourself, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah, stupid dumb shit. But yeah, twenty one, final one. Writing is too hard. It is hard. Yeah. Why would you try to be a writer if you weren't ready to embrace the difficulty? I guess that would be separate the hobbyist from the actual one wanting to make a career of it. Because you can just write for fun. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You write stories that only you read. That's mm-hmm. fine. Kafka did that for a long time. You print out, you give it to you, like your, a yeah. couple of your friends, family members. Just uh... Doesn't have to be a serious endeavor. But if you do want to get serious about it, obviously it's very difficult. Um, that doesn't mean you give up. If you give up, you're just going to fail. It's as simple as that. You'll never make it if you think it's too hard. Because honestly, what isn't hard? Yeah, <laughs> here DPW Studios. No, but seriously though, like, what do you do in life that you would make either a lot of money at or just be successful? That's not difficult. Yeah, nothing. There's nothing. I don't care how skilled you are at something, whether you're an athlete or a cook or whatever. It's it's difficult. Just getting to the top level is going to be difficult. Even just getting to like the medium level. Mm. Like if you're just one of those writers that sell a lot of books, but people don't actually really know them, and you know they're not mainstream. That that still takes a lot of work. Everything takes work. You do the fucking work. Don't be lazy, Spencer. So now that we ended that, um, instead of getting your takeaway, have you been writing? The uh, last week. This last week. Yesterday, I got a couple hundred words in. Well, that's good. Yeah. There you go. You did something. A little doodle. By the way, folks, I'm sorry about the coughing and whatnot. I've been drinking. I feel like that was actually a large glass of whiskey. I you, filled it up to You the... had it pretty full, yeah. <laughs> it's that peanut butter whiskey, that peanut butter oh, chocolate whiskey. Oh, yeah. So good. It tastes just like a Reese's cup. Oh, it gives me a fucking stubby, <laughs> stubby chubby. I started, this is going to sound unbelievable. <laughs> that new story? No, 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 no. Outlining my novel. Actually doing an outline. I normally don't do an outline, but I did it. 
We're going to talk about that off air. Yeah, I'm only in chapter two of the outline, and the first chapter is only one paragraph long. Oh, <laughs> I like it. A loose outline. I just want to... I, I want to plot out, like you were making fun of earlier, each chapter, but I don't actually want to have what happens in the chapter, just the the main parts that keep the story flowing. Yeah. That way I just hit whatever beats I want to hit, because it's going to be a pretty elaborate story uh, with a lot of weird fantastical elements, and I need to be able to do that in a way that uh, doesn't, like, main thing I don't want to do, which is like a magical realism is really difficult with this, is you don't want to just have, because how my story starts kind of normal. So you don't want just like a normal real world real world story, and then all of a sudden just goes complete fantasy or crazy, because that's bad writing. Like what story works like that? That just all of a sudden goes off the rails. Like look at the hike. It started him just on a walk, and slowly weird shit started yeah. happening. He saw the fucking murder scene, but that could have been a horror story. That could have been yeah. anything. It unraveled slowly, and then it went to full balls crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's what I need to do. So I feel like an out a, a gentle outline would be the way to. Man, Jack. Anyway, folks, if you like what we're doing, you can find us on Spotify Premium under fuckyourmom.org. Why dot org? That's actually the name. It's not an organization. We're not, it's not a website. That's just the name of the podcast now. Fuckyourmom.org. Uh, that's not it. No. What is it? DPW. We are on Spotify. We just don't have a deal with Spotify. No. No deals. <coughs> we actually do get a lot of Spotify downloads, so oh, we really? probably shouldn't shit on Spotify too much. Um, people use it. I don't know if our podcast is like it's like some other very mainstream podcast we talked about who have a lot of episodes all out of order for the yeah. free version. I don't know if ours is like that. I would assume. Anyway, you can find us at drunkenpenwriting.com where we got fiction and we got stories and we got a contact page where you can reach us if you want. We're technically not taking submissions now, but if you had an idea, feel free to say, hey, I have a story would you guys be interested? Don't just send the story. A yeah, lot of ask you, first. a lot of you, you guys have been trying to slide it in. You, you don't ask for permission first. Gotta get the consent. You can't <laughs> just jam it in there. I'm gonna say no, and then if you jam it in anyway, <laughs> well, you got a problem. Twitter at Drunk Pen Writing, Instagram, Facebook, Drunk Pen Writing, YouTube. Just go there if you want. Yeah. You know the name. You don't gotta. You don't got to rub it in that we haven't been yeah, out videos. Nothing new there. <laughs> nothing other than the podcast right now. You know what? Because we talked to Ash and I asked him about, uh, do you read this podcast and how many? Because, you know, I think I asked him about him making videos. I assume he made like one video. Like three. He actually has a bunch. Mm. <laughs> so that made me feel like a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening and uh, do some fucking writing. Yeah.